We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, new focus on wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton, drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for new focus on wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I am your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show, just shoot me an email. It's chad at chadburton.com. You can find out about me, our team. Shoot me an email question. Find out about our upcoming events. Like the next one's coming up in Los Gatos. Um, let's get on to the topic of probably the year so far. I've been fielding so many calls and emails from people asking, is my money safe? Is my money safe? And it's just, it's so odd because I actually got into the business because of Washington Mutual. That was the last big bank, you know, failure that we've really seen out there. And that was the last institution technically that my grandfather worked for. So I got in the business over 28 and a half years ago and my grandfather had been working as an investment counselor. They called it back in the day. And basically he sold annuities and, and mutual funds at various banks. And towards the tail end of the savings and loan crisis, um, the, his bank that he worked for in Portland was taken over so many times. It changed names so many times. He used to joke about having to look up at the sign outside every morning to figure out how to answer the phone. And so he worked for Crossland Savings and then Washington Mutual bought it. And that was kind of his last straw. He essentially walked out with a box of statements. And I was going to Portland State. And he said, hey, can you help me set up my office? <laughs> and so my job was to contact all these folks, set up, a, basically organize and create an office so that we could move forward. And I fell in love with the business and went to the side of uh, certified financial planner, fee-only fiduciary-based planning and not the sales side. But that's how I got into the business as a bank failure, technically. So... Look, we we've had a we have a few banks out there with bad balance sheets. You have Silicon Valley Bank, Signature, you know, they're all over the news. You've you've seen them. But it, these banks are not the norm, right? And so in 2007, 2008, there's so many more capital requirements and everything else with banks. When you look at this, people freaked out, but when I look at it, it's like, okay, the banking system's working like it's supposed to. You got bad risk takers, they got Loans that too many fixed interest rate loans that didn't allow them to adjust for interest rates and it, they got taken over. And people are scrambling to spread cash around banks so that they have less than $250,000 per account when you may not need to. All right. You may not need to. I feel bad for banks like First Republic that there was, you know, people rushing to pull out deposits because they're scared and I get it, but some of it could be 
lack of FDIC insurance education causing large withdrawals and then helping to sink the stock prices. Now, there's been some recovery, obviously, on some of these stock prices. But before people go rush to move money out of banks that hit the news and kind of escalating the problem that may not be, go to FDIC.gov. Click on their FAQs, their frequently asked questions, and you see that, yeah, deposits are insured up to at least $250,000 per depositor, per FDIC-insured bank, per ownership category. So that's the key. So it's $250,000 per ownership category. Now, the, de- the, the deposit products, that's, that's a little bit easier, right? That you've got checking accounts, savings accounts, CDs, and FDIC-insured money markets. Now, there's certain money markets that account that banks will offer you through their brokerage side that might not be FDIC-insured. So we're talking about FDIC-insured products. Checking accounts, saving accounts, CDs, money markets. And then you got to get into the, the world of ownership category. That's the manner in which you hold your funds, the titling. So ownership categories that the FDIC-insured insurance program looks at is single accounts, Certain retirement accounts to serve, for example, if you have an IRA, you can have an IRA invested in a CD at a bank. That is an ownership category. You can have joint accounts and you can have trust accounts, which include payable on death or transfer on death. Some banks use POD, some use TOD. Um, and then business accounts and then government accounts. So yes, you can have more than $250,000 of FDIC insurance at a single bank. Now, it's much easier if you have a living trust, but I'm going to kind of go over this with and without. So again, you've got the, the way that you could hold title to an account at a bank, single joint with your spouse, an IRA or payable on death or transfer on death. And when you have a payable on death account where you set up an account and let's say you have three children, you actually have $250,000 per beneficiary. All right. So you've got yourself and then you've got your three beneficiaries that if you pass away that the money goes to. So those beneficiaries are insured. So let me give you an idea. Let's say grandma's alive. Grandpa's gone. Grandma's still alive. And she registers an account payable on death or transfer on death. So you got one owner with the one owner naming three unique beneficiaries. And so that can be insured up to $750,000. So grandma may have this payable on death account to the the three beneficiaries that's covered for $750,000. She may have her checking account for $250,000. That's fully covered. Um, And then she could, you know, technically even have an IRA at the bank for $250,000 of coverage. So before people go rushing to move money around to different banks and create way too many accounts out there, guess what? It's even easier if you have a living trust. Now, if you're in California, Oregon, and you have any assets outside retirement accounts and life insurance and things like that, like your home, a, a, a non-retirement investment account, it's really important to have a living trust to help avoid the cost of probate. And when you have a living trust, it's really important to make sure that your accounts are titled properly. So if I have the Chad Burton revocable living trust, any of my non-retirement accounts and the title to my home should be registered to that living trust. It still uses my social security number, but it should be titled to that living trust. And so when you have a living trust, it, it makes it simpler to hold title. Now, most people, they might have their checking account 
a small checking account that may not be in their living trust, but then they have their living trust owning their savings account, their FDIC insured money market account, things like that. So when you have a trust, then it looks through to all of the beneficiaries, right? So let me give you an example. Let's say me and Jamie have our revocable living trust, our joint revocable living trust, and I have four kids. So the way that it's looked at is one owner and you have two people involved here. So you've got me and three kids insured in a million, me, three kids, or Jamie and three kids insured in a million, right? So um, I'm sorry, four kids insured in a million. So they look through to the, to the kids almost times two. So you could technically have a lot more FDIC insurance. So before you go moving money out of accounts, just to get under the 250,000, especially if you have a living trust, talk to the bank get some reassurance on, okay, I have a living trust and I have this many beneficiaries. And you take the beneficiaries, multiply it by 250. That's typically your coverage that you have there. All right. Now I have been reading about this and I, I, this is something that was new that uh, a rule change that looks like it might take effect April 1st of 2024 is that the, the maximum number of beneficiaries in a trust situation like that could be five. So a good problem to have, right? That means you could have a living trust with five unique beneficiaries and your FDIC insurance and that account could be up to $1,250,000. So 250000 per beneficiary per up to five beneficiaries. So again, stop panicking. The panic situation can help create the problems. Now, you know, it's a different situation where some of these businesses, I mean, I had one client, they just got their round of funding. There was $30 million sitting at SI at the Silicon Valley bank. And, you know, that was an extremely scary situation to do all of this, you know, pitching of the company that you're trying to get funded, you get some funding. And then all of a sudden you're wondering how you're going to make payroll the next week. Right. So uh, I'm talking more about on the individual side here. Now, if you go to FDIC.gov um, and click on the thing, some certain links, like are my accounts insured by the FDIC? Or you could just Google this. Google this. Google FDIC EDI calculator. That's E-D-I-E calculator. FDIC E-D-I-E calculator. Google it. You'll find the link to the calculator where you can plug in all of your accounts, for example, at a single bank, how you hold title, and you can clearly see how much you're covered by FDIC and how much not. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcase is always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. Let's continue on this conversation of cash and everything else. Brokerage accounts have money markets too, right? Brokerage accounts, meaning Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, Schwab, E-Trade. Now, some of these money market accounts that are used, some of them can be FDIC'd and FDIC insured and some not. So that's again, important to ask which money market fund is being used. Now, FDIC insurance with brokerage accounts only comes into play with FDIC insured accounts. Other types of accounts, there's SIPC insurance that you might see or hear about, but that really only comes into play with fraud, fraud protection. Most firms are required to have half a million, but the, the most like Fidelity and TD and Schwab all 
offer a lot more than that when it comes to anything fraud. So you can call if you have a lot of cash at a brokerage firm, you can ask if it's FDIC insured and what FDIC insured options might be, but then you've get that, you know, 250,000 per person um, and how you hold title is, can be different at a brokerage firm and how much FDIC insured insurance you have. Now, again, this is another issue. Like, let's say you're trying to hold a bunch of cash and you're trying to avoid having just tons of different bank accounts all over the place through a brokerage account. Like if you have a, a taxable or you know individual adjoin a trust account at Schwab or Fidelity, for example, you can actually buy FDIC insured CDs from banks all over the country in one spot. All right. You can also buy T-bills and T-notes in the secondary market inside your brokerage accounts. And so you can get you know, T-bills or and and T-notes. These are this is from the U.S. government. This is considered the safest money in the world. And now you can get you know over four you know four and a half percent or over that in some of these instruments that mature in a very short time frame. So what I want people to avoid is trying to say I've got to go out and spread my cash around ten, fifteen different banks. I've seen it happen before, and that creates an administrative nightmare for people. There's different ways to do it. So if you've maxed out on FDIC insurance at your existing bank, um, you can use some of the online F- FDIC insured bank products that tie to your existing checking account. Um, like Marcus Capital One 360, again, places like that. You can do a treasury direct account. Again, make sure if you have a living trust that's registered properly to your living trust. But you could say, you know, roll four month T bills where you buy T bills from the US government from anywhere from four to four weeks to 52 weeks. Um, and as they mature, they either get deposited right back into your checking account or you can click a button on treasurydirect.gov and have them just buy the same thing over and over again. Like, so something is maturing every four weeks, for example. Now, we have an account option that we're about to launch to all clients where within one account, you get exposure to a bunch of different banks and a much higher level of FDIC insurance where people are earning you know, over 4.15%, 4.15% or over on a first certain amount. But it, it's way more than the typical FDIC insurance because in one account, we can have money on deposit on many of the large well-known banks. So there are options out there and I just want people to avoid, you know, doing cash run on banks and creating problems like what happened with First Republic, for example, which didn't have a balance sheet that was like Signature Valley or uh, Silicon Valley Bank. The other thing to think about out there of those of you that have ever bought large annuity contracts, so fixed annuities, indexed annuities, and things like that, especially when they're over $300,000 in value, it's always a good time to check the rating of the insurance company. So fixed annuities, you know, they're not FDIC insured. They're basically backed by the rating of the insurance company. And if insurance companies fail, that's when states and then the government have to step in. And um, so, you know, I remember like Executive Life and some other ones that failed early in the career and there was the Guarantee Association, other things that step into play. But it's very important if you have large insurance contracts to check the rating of the insurance company or if somebody's pitching you an annuity product. And again, 99% of annuity products are not worth it. 
There's smoke and mirrors in terms of income guarantees. Most of them are not worth it. There are a very small handful of non-commissioned, no-load annuities that can be decent bond alternatives when the 10-year treasury is under 4%. But most of the time, the, the, the guarantees where they say, here, put the money in here, you can invest and have exposure to the market and have an income guarantee for life. Most of the time, it's kind of smoke and mirrors because they know that they're really never going to have to be on the hook to pay them, pay you their own money, very rarely. So they come with large commissions, large contracts. I mentioned in the beginning of the show, I got into the business with my grandfather. He sold annuities and mutual funds at the bank. So I know those products inside and out. And you have to be very, very careful with them. They're, again, 99% are not worth the paper that they're written on. In fact, the Department of Labor, the SEC, everybody's been trying to pass, and, and there's been some successful laws that are passed, to stop this problem that we've had of people moving jobs or retiring and commission-based salesmen that say they're financial advisors, but they're really commission-based salesmen, talk people into rolling their entire 401k into an annuity product because of certain income guarantees that they talk about where really the internal fees on these things are north of 3% per year. So if that's a million dollars in your 401k that you roll over into one of these things, fees could be around $30,000 a year that you're not really seeing. Um, and if you want to see it, you have to read this, you know, hundreds of pages of perspectives to try to figure it all out. Now, speaking of that, I've been seeing lots of Instagram posts on index universal life insurance. And the, the way that these posts go, these social media posts goes is this is how wealthy people save money and don't pay taxes. And you get these like, this is what my CPA brother told me to do. And it's this big sales pitch on how you invest in life insurance products, but inside the life insurance products, it has this investment, this cash value account where you get to invest in the stock market with no downside risk. And by the way, when you start pulling money out of this life insurance product, all of the income is totally tax-free, totally tax-free. So you're like, okay, wait a minute, what I can invest in the stock market and I can have zero downside risk. And when I save from retirement, I can pay zero taxes when I start pulling the money out. Oh, yeah, that's the case. But again, these are highly high commission products. The people that sell these make sometimes 50% or more of what you put in in the first year in terms of commissions, if not more than that. And so while some of the things that they say are true, there's so many offsetting factors that we have to talk about on these types of insurance products that offset the lack of downside exposure and the tax-free income. So for example, I thought about it. We'll finish after the break, but when they say you can invest in the market without any downside risk, that's fine, but there's no dividends involved and dividends of the S and P 500, about 20% of the return in the long run. Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. My website, chadburton.com, has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement, links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax-efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kids' college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. 
You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts regardless of where they're held. Information is updated each day at the end of market close and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. Speaking about Index universal life insurance, just because I've seen anytime you get kind of a fearful situation in the market, we had a rough 2022, 2023 started off with a bang, a lot of tech stock recovery, pushed the S&P 500 to a, a nice gain early in the year. Currently, as of today, March 15th, S&P 500 is up about 2.4% for the year. Meanwhile, international stocks up about 5% for the year. So international outperforming the US. But when you have scary situations, you start to to see ads and, and different people try to sell. Your people are always selling based on fear and greed. Fear of missing out, fear of the downside. When returns are really good, the sales pitch gets even better because of that that FOMO, the fear of missing out. And so this index universal life insurance, people sell the program as potential to invest in the stock market with no downside risk. However, they don't tell you, you don't get any dividends when you invest in these things. So you get exposure to the price movement of the S&P 500, but no dividends. That's over 20% of the return of the S&P 500 in the long run. So that's a strike against it. The other one is that, guys, there's never been a 10-year period in our history where a balanced portfolio lost money. Think about that. So if you invest in the top of the stock market, in 2010, in a balanced portfolio, like a 60-40 stock bond portfolio, 10 years later, even after the Great Recession, you would have still had more money. So, so that no downside risk situation is offset by high fees. It's offset by declining participation and declining cap rates. And that idea of tax-free income, because life insurance, when you invest in it, you can take your premiums out first tax-free and then any gains that are inside this investment account inside the insurance you can take it out in the form of a loan, which is paid off when you die. But if you don't put enough money in it or it underperforms or the fees go way up and all of a sudden the thing lapses and, and your cash value goes to zero and you don't put money back into it, all of those loans, all of those withdrawals can end up taxable and it can get you into the end. And again, beginning of the show, I talked about how I got into the business. I, I saw so many of these types of life insurance policies that people bought in the 80s when interest rates were high where there's supposed to be these amazing life insurance contracts that ended up investments, interest rates declined drastically. These people, when I said, hey, you've got to put more money into the insurance because somebody handed me a box of statements and my job was supposed to go fix these things. They were so mad. They like, this was supposed to pay me $2,000 a month when I'm 65 and now it's worthless. So in the over 28 and a half years that I've been in the business, I think I've said that this type of a product is a good idea to a total of about five clients. And those were the top 1% earners out there. They didn't want any more stocks. They didn't want to buy any more real estate. They'd fully maxed out their IRA, their Roth IRAs, their mega Roth 401k. And this was a time frame when bonds were well below their, you know, sub 2%. And they wanted it for a bond alternative and more for an estate planning purpose where they needed to make sure that a certain amount of money went to somebody else when they died. So when you talk to certified financial planners, fee-only fiduciaries that 
have to act in the best interest of clients, you'll find that most of them are not a big fan of these Index Universal Life products. So be careful of these things when you see ads for them on Instagram, Facebook, and all those kind of th- places. That's they're they're good. They're attention catching, but most of the time you're going to wish you wouldn't have bought these products, especially with the idea that you can put so much money into a Roth IRA, which grows tax-free. You have Roth 401k options, where if you're 50 or above, you can put 30 grand of your savings into a tax-free Roth 401k. And you can put an after-tax dollars and convert it to a Roth inside the 401k, even over and above that, that mega 401k Roth conversion that I talk about. So check it out. There's so many different ways to save money tax-free without having to do it in life insurance these days. All right. Another thing I want to talk about, which has been a very, very uh, hot topic, and this comes in waves where I get people asking me, clients will will send in a form or, hey, I bought long-term care insurance 10, 15 years ago. And now Genworth, for example, is sending me a letter saying, I've got to pay a heck of a lot more money in order to keep my long-term care insurance. So what is long-term care insurance? Long-term care insurance, you buy it because if you're, you know, older, if you're, you know, end up going into a situation where you need assisted living, home health care, going into a nursing home, those types of things where you either have a cognitive impairment like dementia or Alzheimer's, or you've lost two out of the six activities of daily living, things like eating, bathing, dressing, those types of activities where you lose two of those. So you need help to live. That's something that that coverage is on you. You're either paying for it yourself or you're buying insurance, long-term care insurance. And the problem is, is that because of our aging population, and it's been around for quite a while, but in the world of insurance compared to health insurance or life insurance, it's relatively new and companies created this long-term care insurance and they drastically underpriced it. They underpriced it because people lived longer. People stayed more in nursing homes. The cost of nursing homes went way up. And they're upside down on their policies. And so what they can do is they can go to the state and say, hey, we're we're not charging enough to this entire group of people in, say, the state of California. So we need approval to raise rates. And a lot, a lot of times they get it. So when you get these rate increases, if you bought the insurance in you know late 50s, early 60s, it's still probably a really good deal. Even with the rate increase, you've, you've got to look at this and say, number one, can you afford the rate increase? And this is why you have a really good financial plan that's always live and interactive where you can plug in a new number and see the results in the long term in your cash flow projection. How long is your money going to last? Is there a point where you're going to have to tap your house or sell your house to get care? So can you afford the rate increase number one? Because when you get these letters, they'll say, if you want to keep the same coverage, here's the rate increase. If you don't want the rate increase, you can reduce your coverage. And then they give you a couple of different options to reduce your coverage um, by quite a bit if you want to, to pay, even pay less money or have a, a reduced paid up policy. So can you afford the coverage, the, the rate increase? If yes, is having that level of long-term care insurance important to protect money to either your surviving spouse or inheritance to your kids. So you can afford it, but gosh, I don't know if I want to pay this extra two grand a year. Um, you've got to look at that and say, okay, if I do, I know I'm protecting inheritance for a surviving spouse or a kid. The other thing is, how is your health? 
you know, do you have a lot of issues of Alzheimer's, dementia? Uh, how's your overall health? It, before you make a decision, it might be a good idea to get a full physical from your doctor, a full physical. I'm not talking about just go in and, you know, check your blood pressure, things like that. And like, you know, calcium scan to see if you have, if you have high cholesterol, that's one thing. But if you got calcification of the veins and it's building up, that's a whole nother story. That's like stroke and heart attack potential and things like that. So get a full physical before you make any decision on insurance, have a family conversation, have a conversation with your spouse, your kids and say, okay, look, here's our assets. Here's our home. We have this insurance. If we go through the insurance, because a lot of times long-term care insurance covers you for only two years, four years, maybe six years. Some people get a lifetime policy, but they're very rare. But but say, okay, here's our plan. If we go through the insurance, these are the assets we're going to spend first. If we start to run out of assets, we either need to reverse mortgage on the home or sell it so we can use the funds to pay for nursing care coverage. And... In the financial plan, if you choose the lower coverage amount, you should be able to model that and model that situation and have a full conversation about it. Because again, you typically, the one I saw recently, a person had four years worth of coverage. They had 260 bucks a day available to pay for nursing home costs. That 260 bucks a day was growing with 5% compound inflation. So they had multiple options to either swallow this almost $2,000 a year premium increase reduce the number of years of coverage from four down to two years with no premium increase or another option, which was to lock the coverage in no more cost of living increase. And it was even cheaper. So if you took the the route where you reduce your coverage, so you don't have more premium increase at what point in your financial plan, would you start to run out of assets and have to tap your house? And you can do that by either selling it, doing a reverse mortgage, home equity line of credit, which is hard to get when you're out of assets. That's usually not the option. And that's a tough one. If you want to sell your house that you bought you know, 40, 50 years ago and pay a huge capital gain when maybe a reverse mortgage might be better so that when you pass away, the loan's paid off, your kids get a step up in basis and they can sell the house tax-free. So th- those are the conversations that you have to have as part of a retirement plan, as part of your estate plan those what if scenarios and to be able to plug in these scenarios and clearly see what happens to your assets. I see a lot of people that pay 1% or more to a bank or a firm to manage their retirement accounts, their investment accounts in a basic pie chart of investments of large cap, small cap, mid cap, international bond stocks or whatever. They do one or two trades a year to rebalance the portfolio and they're paying a ton of money and they're not getting any financial planning. They don't have a live interactive financial planning website where they can run these scenarios and clearly see what their situation looks like in the long term. You should be able to click on a report and know how long your assets are going to last. Know what taxes you're going to pay when you're 90 years old. So that is all part of a financial plan. You know, and, and part of this, the long term care insurance, just like when term insurance, like if you buy a 20 year term policy and those policies in the first 10 years, you have the ability to switch them over to a permanent life insurance policy without proving you're insurable. So before you make a decision to drop a term life insurance policy or to get past that 10 years, again, get a full physical. How's my health? How is my heart? How are my veins? All of that. If you got two years left on a term insurance, you don't 
need it, but you can still afford it. It's kind of a personal choice, but get your health checked first before you make that decision. Check this out. How much to draw in retirement? How much can you withdraw? Um, What's a good safe withdrawal rate? Whether or not to buy long-term care insurance, whether or not to buy an annuity. Three of the main, three things that we've talked about today. Um, Christine Benz, she is a author at Morningstar and probably one of the best financial authors out there. She puts out a lot of great content for Morningstar. So you just go to Morningstar.com. This was a January 11th article um, that I just saw was there. And it, it, she talks about these different issues and big decisions to make in retirement. Look, saving money is is pretty easy. When you're in that glide path to retirement savings, which is up until about 10 years away from retirement, just averaging in. If the stock market drops, you continue to buy more. That's That's been the case that's worked throughout history. The time to buy is when everybody else is fearful. You kind of see this with the big regional bank and brokerage firm plummet in stocks because of the bank issues the other day and a big trade up that's occurred as a result of that. Buy when others are fearful, right? Continue to average in on your 401k. Where it becomes a little bit more complicated, as we've talked about in the past, is how do you start drawing money out of a portfolio? Because what you have to do is make sure you're not drawing money out in a down market. And we saw in 2022, what I've been talking about for on radio with you guys for years, since 1999, that sometimes stocks and bonds can fall together. So in retirement, you need a certain amount of money that's safe. I'm not talking about short-term bonds. I'm talking about FDIC insured or treasury bills safe. Stuff with zero risk. And so that you can have a certain amount of safe money to get through a couple of negative years in the market. And at least now we can earn a really decent return, 4% above on that safe money. How much did withdraw in retirement? There's no easy answer because some people retire at 55 and have health insurance costs on their own until 65 before Medicare kicks in. They wait till Social Security to 70. So withdrawal rates will vary in retirement based on your age when you're retiring, when you're taking Social Security. Do you have a pension? Do you have uh, real estate that's kicking off some income? It varies. And it's a dynamic withdrawal situation. How much is a good idea to withdraw? Depends on sometimes how the market's doing. If you're going to pull out a big bunch of money for a, a big remodel and you were going to do this in 2023 and the market drops in 2022. Yeah, some people are putting that off until 2024, right? So a varying withdrawal rate, being able to plug in with different withdrawal rates. If the stock market is down, like last year, 2022, the S&P 500, even though it's averaged well over 11% for the last 50 plus years, the stock market was down in 2022, 18%. Bonds were down 13%. Does that mean that year you should reduce your retirement withdrawal by you know, 12 to 15%. No, that's hard. That's a really hard adjustment. By having a good live financial plan, a dynamic financial plan, we could say, well, maybe I'll just reduce my annual draw by a little bit for the next 20 years or until the stock market recovers in a couple of years. You can see the effect. And that's the same thing as a one-year cut. A long-term small amount is the same thing as a really hard cut that's not really doable in just one single year. So a dynamic withdrawal rate. She talks a little bit about this in the article, whether or not to buy long-term care insurance. So we talked about that. You should start shopping for long-term care insurance in your late 50s, early 60s. It's usually a little bit better. That's one insurance product that's good to buy through your employer because you typically have fewer rate increases. 
Um, but it's a matter of, can you afford it? Are you behind in retirement planning? Are you ahead and you have still excess cash flow that it's a good idea to buy long-term care insurance? Should you buy basic long-term care insurance? Should you buy the life insurance policy where you can use the death benefit early for long-term care insurance type of policy? Lots of options out there. That is a very important decision. So early in career, getting into the business at 19, working with my grandfather who was in his early 60s and having his clients that were 70 and 80 years old. I mean, it was constantly getting phone calls of people that said, hey, my spouse is going into a long-term care facility. How am I going to afford to pay for this without going broke and losing my home? It is a very real problem. If you make it over the age of 70, 60% chance you're going to spend some time in a nursing home. So whether or not to buy long-term care insurance, it's a big decision, especially when it's as expensive as it is these days. And the third one that she talks about is whether to buy an annuity. And we talked about this earlier in the show. 90 to 99% of annuities are worthless. There is a handful of fixed annuities, indexed annuities that are non-commissioned products. They're not paying somebody a 5% commission to sell it to you where they can be a decent safe money option as a bond alternative and like an IRA, for example. Or there are some no-load variable annuities that you can, instead of putting bonds, when bonds were paying less than 2%, you put in a balanced portfolio, but the insurance company makes sure that you have 5% plus income for life. But you know what? Those things are not really worth it once the 10-year treasury gets to be 4% or above, which is close to where we're sitting today. So even most of those, even no-load ones with that's guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefits aren't worth the internal fees that they charge because there's a very, very small risk that the insurance money is ever going to pay you anything but your own deposit back over your life expectancy. So the other one that you know she she talks about in different articles and um, you might hear it called like the bucket strategy and everything else is which accounts to draw from in retirement. It, that is so individualized. That's one of the reasons why I love the business and everybody's financial plan is different because some people have a pension. Some people have high social security. Some people have real estate. Some people have a bunch of money pre-tax and a 401k. Some people have a bunch of Roth money. Some people have low cost basis stock from their employer that they need to whittle away at in retirement. Everybody's a puzzle and part of having a financial plan and, and modeling different scenarios and creating a lower for longer tax situation that's all about retirement. The stock market's going to do what it's going to do. Bond market's going to do what it's going to do. Where you can add value is taxes and creating a withdrawal strategy to get through good markets and bad markets. It's all part of a really good retirement plan, a really good financial plan. We can clearly see your cash flow and taxes and what's your portfolio going to be worth? What are you leaving your kids in the future? That's what you should get out of a financial planning relationship. If you need some help with that, just go to chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. You can find the podcast info on our team. EP Wealth, all the good stuff that we do there. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. Have a great day. 